just when you thought it was safe to hear a podcast promo. JL made do 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 brave and bold do 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 comic books do 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 JL made JL made do 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 brave and bold do 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 comic books do 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 JL made the annual podcast crossover event celebrating the Justice League is back, and we're covering the 2007 Brave and the Bold series that started with Mark Wade and George freaking Perez, and ended with J. Michael Straczynski. Throughout the month of May, participating podcasts will release special episodes on issues in the run. It all kicks off in the Overlook Dark Knight podcast. Follow the event on social media using the hashtag JLMay2023. Coming this May. JLMay do 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 brave and the bold do 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 comic book do 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 Mephisto. Hey. This is the Bat Pod. Bat Pod. Grab your bat microphone, it's time to start the show. Welcome to the Bat Pod, a Batman comic book discussion podcast. On today's show, we'll be discussing The Brave and the Bold, Volume 3, Number 27. Keen like Bruce Wayne, quick like Tim Drake, fierce like Damien. Grab your headphones, listen up, you know you love it, drop the facade. Like the Dark Knight Detective, they've got some perspective. They're a pure crime-fighting collective. It's the Bat Pod. Welcome to episode 113. My name is Bill Beer, and joining me tonight, the Scarface to my ventriloquist, J. David Weeder. Does that mean I was made out of the electric chair? Or was it the gallows? The gallows, yeah. You are made from the gallows, the haunted gallows. I'm a real boy. <laughs> There's the crossover we didn't know we needed. Pinocchio and Scarface. <laughs> okay, we're doing Brave and the Bold, so you never know. You never know that could have been an issue, but I think Pinocchio is a different company. So yeah, we're back to jail in May, as you heard, you know, in the intro there. And we're going to be doing Brave and the Bold number 27. And just to update everybody, the previous issues... Number 24 through 26 would be the Rolled Spine podcast, and issue number 28 would be Weird Warriors podcast. Say that three times fast. (laughs) Uh, I don't think I'm going to. But we got 27. We're part of the 27 Club, which is a little eerie. I was just saying, we're part of the club where Jim Morrison was in, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Kurt Cobain. It's not a great club in terms of ending, but... No, no, no. But we're not here to ponder our mortality, are we? We're here to cover some comic. <laughs> a comic. Yeah. So let's go ahead, and we're going to head to the book. Come on, Robin. To the Batcave. We haven't one moment to lose. We have, as mentioned up front, Brave and the Bold number 27, which is the November 2009 issue, with a cover by Jesus Saez. And this cover is Batman swinging into the frame with a lifeless hand in the foreground, barely touching the hero dial. Bill, what'd you think of this one? I like that. It was a little, the art was a little, I don't want to say plain, but but there's not a lot. I guess because, you know, the light from the dial is kind of covering 
up the city or whatever. Mm. You see mostly Batman's cape and him swinging, but I thought it was okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I thought it was fine. It was a good composition. Well, it does, if you don't know who Dial H for Hero is, this doesn't tell you anything, but I will. So inside this is a story called Death of a Hero, written by J. Michael Straczynski. Artist was the aforementioned Jesus, lettered by Rob Lay, and colored by Patricia Mulville. Robbie Reed and his grandfather arrive at their hotel for a getaway in Gotham City, because that's what sensible people do. Meanwhile, Travers Milton isn't getting by on his honest job, so he's taking some crimes on the side. Unknown to all three is that the Joker is plotting a huge crime spree with the intent of killing the Batman the following night. After his grandfather goes to sleep, Robbie pulls out the dial, which changes in him into a different superhero each time he types in the letters H-E-R-O, but not zero. This time, Robbie becomes Mental Man, the greatest psychic who ever lived, but sees something alarming. He just changes back into Robbie and lies restlessly in his bed for the rest of the night. The next day, Travers happens to break into the Reed's hotel, stealing some stuff, including the hero dial. As he's going through his loot, he gets an invite from an associate to participate in the Joker's scheme that night, and later he dials the word hero to become superhero the star. If you haven't heard of it, that's fine. It's created new each time. As the star, he accomplishes many super feats until he comes into the contact with the Batman, who tells the star the city belongs to the Bat. He'll tolerate him only to a certain point. In a bit of guilt, the star tells Batman about the chaos the Joker is planning, and unknown to the star, Batman grabs some dusting of the star's fingerprints. Later, the Joker's scheme starts to play out, and the star saves Batman from the Joker's alarmingly straightforward death trap at the cost of his own life. The next day, Batman finds a sullen Robbie and returns the dial, having learned Travers' identity from the fingerprints. Robbie admits that he saw in a vision the next person who used the hero dial would die, and left it out for somebody to find. Of course, he feels guilty about this. Batman assures him that no kid should die, and the dial granted Travers the chance to really live for a day. As Batman finds the star's medallion, he tells Robbie to live because, like Travers, some deaths are worth dying for. The end. What'd you think, Bill? I rather enjoyed this. Dial H is not a character that I'm familiar with. I don't know if I ever read another story besides this one. And I do remember reading this issue previously. Mm. And I had overall really enjoyed, you know, how things played out here, except for one thing, and it really bothered me. And I could be completely wrong, but this is just my opinion. But I think the Joker that we got here was a little off to me. Yeah, I was wondering if there was going to be a plot twist that this isn't really the Joker, but an imposter. It's just a little too straightforward for what he likes to do. And he wants to kill the Batman because, you know, he wants to get rid of him before somebody else does or he gets too old type of thing. It felt like you could have put almost, I mean, you could have put the Riddler, you could have put Two-Face in here, and you wouldn't have noticed a difference. Mm -mm. No. He was he was, he was was a MacGuffin in this story, and that's it. Basically. And Batman, I just realized Batman doesn't even capture him, does he? No, it's not even like, this is solely Batman is the side character of the story, basically. I mean, the star is, I mean, you find out, you know, he's down on his luck, homeless. Yeah, he he watches, you know, an out-of-town, you know, grandfather and son, and then he robs their hotel room and basically finds the doll there and, and becomes this hero, and he starts 
uh, immediately he saves somebody and he like feels good that he did a good deed and you go from there and I guess the moral of the story is, you know, he sacrificed his life for to do something good and he wasn't necessarily, he was basically down his luck and that sort of thing. So one thing I did find pretty interesting in here is when they go to the motel in Gotham and he says, well, you're in Gotham. It's, uh, we, we take great pride in the security here at Happy Days, <laughs> but the neighborhood isn't, well, it isn't what it was when the motel first was built. <laughs> Says you maybe want to have a little caution. Don't walk around the area late at night and keep all your windows closed. The usual precautions for Gotham City. And I can't imagine, you know, I always thought about this. Gotham City doesn't seem like a place I'd ever want to visit for fun. No. If I had to go there to visit, like, a long-lost uncle or something, I guess I would have to. But it doesn't, like, it doesn't seem like people seem to be dying, like, every day there. No, right? Or, or some psychotic blowing up City Hall or, you know. It, yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, something bad usually happens, and I thought that was pretty amusing how they they said that there. And when I first, and when Robbie, you know, gets the dial there, and he becomes Mental Man, the greatest psychic who ever lived, and and he looks into his future, and he like, you see his eyes, and in that particular panel, you know, he's laying in bed, he doesn't have the covers over his head, but his eyes is just staring in the distance, he sees something. I thought he saw his grandfather being killed. Mm. That's what I really thought. It makes sense that, you know, afterward, you know, the dial was stolen and used. And afterwards we get, you know, he he doesn't feel like so good because he let this person take it because he saw the next person that took it is going to die. So here's what I want to comment on. And I want your see what you think. I don't think Batman would approve in the way he did at the end of this issue. I don't think he would. I don't think he would give this platitude, uh, you know, look, you gave him a life. I think there is a lesson he would give Robbie about responsibility. Because Robbie literally set it up so this guy would get killed. Blatantly. He left it out in the open. He left the window open. I don't think Batman would condone that as much as he does. No, because he basically explains to him, explains to Batman, this is what I did. I left it out for somebody to take. And he says, I just didn't want to die. I'm a coward, and Batman's like, he gives it back to him, and he's like, children should not have to die for the right thing to be done. This guy, you know, he was Travers Milton. He never done much of anything with his life, and he finally did something, and that's okay. He said he would have died in the streets never having a chance to do anything. And thanks to you, he got it, which is a weird, you know, the thanks to you, he got it. Yeah. Really? He, he Yes, he sacrificed himself, but it doesn't seem like a Batman thing to say. Now, we're talking about, our writer is J. Michael Trzynski. Mm-hmm. So, not a lot of DC work that I, that I know of. He, yeah, he had a brief stint with Wonder Woman yeah, and Superman. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And a, a a little off on Batman. I mean, just slightly. But the Joker, a little off on the Joker. But I guess this is the guy. Didn't he give Spider-Man the organic web shooters for a time? 
No. If I remember right. Maybe no, but he gave him stingers. <laughs> he gave him, oh, yeah. okay. And made him a totem. So there's a, there's, there's a lot to be said for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Straczynski. It's an interesting time. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Straczynski's really good when it's something that's created solely by him. I think that's because mm-hmm. you're you're not walking in with certain expectations. Because I, I right. loved Babylon 5 and his book Rising Stars was fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. But when he came on Superman, it was off. When he was writing Wonder Woman, it was off. Not bad, just off. Well, when you go into these characters that's owned by a company or somebody else, or, you know, fans have some ownership to these characters. And what I mean by that is... You know, they expect certain things done with these characters. They expect these characters to act certain ways. Mm-hmm. And just a little like me and you talking on a podcast about, hey, the Joker doesn't seem right. Hey, Batman wouldn't say that. It's that sort of thing. That's the expectation of us. We're expecting this character to be in this. And you, and when you own a character, you can sort of go into any way and do anything you want to do or say anything you want to do. But when you're in the constraints of having like Batman, for instance, there's this expectation of, you know, this is what we expect. Yeah, and I think you pointed something out that I don't know if it's it's a detriment or, or a positive bit, but Batman is barely in this. He doesn't show up till halfway through, and then he's barely in it. The central character, Robbie Reed of Dial H, he's barely in it. So this is about a, a kind of a third party stepping into that world and what happens to them. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because the cover does specifically say Batman in the prime position and Dial H for hero. So it definitely, it's kind of a, it's an odd one. I don't think it's bad. Mm-hmm. It just... There's the characters were a little off, so I guess if it was like an Elseworlds, perfectly fine. Okay, I can accept that. Yeah, yeah. But I enjoyed the story overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the concept. Was Dal H a character that you've ever read? Oh yeah, um, they were. I read a later uh, iteration of them because it was it was two teens, and they were the backup in the New Adventures of Superboy. Okay. And then I have the Showcase Presents from the Silver Age, where Robbie Reed was the main character. So I'd read, ah. I knew of it, and I thought, I mean, I thought it was a phenomenal idea because you can create new mm-hmm. characters each and every time. And they would actually have, like, they would have readers send in character concepts and use them. Oh, that's cool. So it was very interactive. It was that a great cool. idea. And it's a different hero every time. It, the same one doesn't get repeated. Correct. That's interesting. You know, I sort of, there's there's a character, and it's not the same, but it sort of reminds me, one of my favorite uh, series, and it was before the New 52, because it had a series, Resurrection Man. Mm, yes. And I really enjoyed the pre, you know, the New 52 series was okay, but I enjoyed the previous one a lot more, but uh, kind of similar. Wasn't there a, a story aspect. where... Where the Joker kept killing him because he would resurrect with new powers until he got a power that would get, that would get them out of jail. Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, kind of entertaining. No, this character you could go off in different. I assume it's not a book that lasted, you know, super long. I was trying to find that. I know they did a new Fifty Two version. I didn't read that, but I couldn't find any series around this time for Dial H. Okay. Okay. I know he had one brief in the new Fifty Two, but. I didn't happen to read that. I think I got an issue or two of it, but just to see what it was. But here's a cool story. When the new 52 started, I was laid off from my job. 
And the only job I had was working at a comic shop. And he paid me, not in cash, he paid me in comic books. Oh, okay. Which wasn't bad. So it kept your habit going. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it did. I don't know if that was a good thing or not. And, you know, you can say what you want about some of that stuff, but enjoyed Batman for the most part, but not a lot changed for him as some other characters. Superman um, but seemed to change a lot and mm-hmm. kind of reverted back to what he was. Yeah, New 52 had some hits and misses, and, and at least DC, they gave that idea a fair shot. It gave him an amount of time to see if it would stick. And when it didn't, they went a different direction. So they gave him a solid five years and they're like, yeah, this isn't working. Admitted their error by bringing Wally West back of all people. And the rebirth era was fantastic. Just chef's kiss. Yeah. And wasn't, wasn't it kicked off by, you know, a rebirth one shot? Mm-hmm. I remember uh, remember that very fondly. I think I have that on my bookshelf somewhere, actually. But I remember that very fondly. Yep. It was just it. it it was everything I needed because I'd walked away from DC for the first time in decades. And that was the moment I'm like, yeah, I'm coming home. I'm coming back to the DC universe. It's a little warm fuzzy once again. <laughs> did you did you ever read Rising Stars? No, I never did. When I thought about it, this is really a Rising Stars type of story because it's uh, – if you ever watch the show Heroes, it's similar to that in, in the way okay. it's grounded. It's in, you know, in the real world, um, at least conceptually. So it wasn't always, you know, black and white. There's a lot of gray areas. And this is kind of a story that would fit in as a vignette within that series. Oh, okay. How many issues did that go for? It was 24. Plus there's some miniseries, etc. But the 24 is all you really need. They have on uh, Amazon, like the whole series. Mm-hmm. A compendium. It's, I think reading it, I got disappointed because there were so many delays. So by the time it concluded, it was just frustrating. Oh, okay. But when I went back and reread it years later without the delays, it was just, it's one cohesive story in three acts, three eight-issue acts. And Straczynski, of course, is the main writer. Yeah, I remember it coming out and people raving about mm-hmm. it. I just, it took a while for me to venture out of, like, DC and Marvel. Yeah, same here. I don't think I even did, like, Image for a good long while. Yeah, I remember one of the first books that somebody recommended to me was like, you should read Preacher. Oh, wow. So uh, I I picked up that first trade and it was like, what the heck? I'm not going to say whether I enjoyed it or, <laughs> or didn't. That's another show. But that, w- that was quite, quite different than, uh, that's when I learned that comic books are like, can be R-rated and be very mature, and I, I, I never really realized that. Oh yeah, I learned that from Dark Knight Returns. Oh uh, yeah, but I think my only my only real complaint is that Batman and the Joker are a little off character. But if if you don't put it in continuity, it's just a standalone. Mm-hmm. This is a perfectly good story. The art certain. Well, it doesn't feel like this doesn't feel like it's in continuity. No, I know Superman Batman started veering out of continuity a lot towards, around this time and towards the end. If you say, hey, this is. Out of continuity and it's on one of the infinite Earths, it makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. I'm okay with that. That's what I do every time I see a Batman on screen, on film or whatever. It's like, oh, they have their own Earth. Yep. I tend to critique a lot from the source material and it's like, I have to think about it that way. And 
I don't critique it as much. No, just let it be its own thing. And and these, especially yeah. DC more than Marvel, I would say, these characters lend themselves to reinterpretation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know, you can go into some fun directions when you look at those Earths. You have, like, the Shazam family and, you know, all the, what was it? Uncle Shazam and... Uncle, Uncle Marvel, well, yeah. Uncle Marvel, <laughs> yeah. I guess it's Uncle Shazam now. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go down that tangent. I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it ride. I mean, really want to say something about it, but that's another. Podcast, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> we'll keep going off on tangents. So, so yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap this up here. And uh, final thoughts. Um, this was just actually a really good one and done, set in its own universe with a, a very straightforward story of uh, that. I like that. Afterwards, I was still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. about the morality of it. I think it's actually overall a winner. And I felt that I thought about more about this particular issue than the previous issue we did a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yes, absolutely. Because I was just like an action popcorn movie. And this made you think a little bit. You know, especially when, you know, you got a new hero come into town and Batman saying, hey, this is my city. You don't just come in here and... And do whatever. So, yeah, there was a lot of things in here to make you think a little bit. So, okay. We will go ahead and we're going to head to what we learned. The Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. You're ready to move up. So, David, what did you learn in this episode? I learned that if I leave out a device that can get somebody killed, I could be in trouble. But if a kid does it, Batman's going to let him slide. Yes, that is true. That is true. What did you learn this time, Bill? I learned that I want one of those little devices, but not necessarily to be a superhero. Maybe for like, you know, I dial it and a pizza just appears. <laughs> oh, I like where this is going. Or, 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 or make somebody disappear. You're at work and that annoying person that just flexes all the time. I want to make him disappear. Not not forever, just, you know, have him go away for a while. But I want to dial like that. Mostly for probably the pizza. Okay. Now I'm hungry. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> yeah. No problem. So, we'll be back here uh, with our regular episodes with a pick of David's and a pick of mine. I hope, if you're listening... For the first time here, uh, or you just started listening, you know, with the Jail May stuff, stick around or check out some of our previous episodes. Um, we got some good stuff that we picked and we talk about. So it's usually a pick a mine, pick a David's, and uh, it's been some fun stuff. I think so, and I think we have more fun stuff to come. Oh, definitely, definitely. So, any final thoughts about this episode? All my thoughts are are completely on pizza right now. So. Okay, well, that's good. You got your finger on the, well, I would say the dial button, you know, the old school, you know. Probably not. It's like an app now. Everybody does the app. Yeah. Gotta have the app. Until next time, same bet time, same bet channel. We will see you later. Later.